welcome back to Brand Success Presents 10 Careers You've Never Heard Of. I'm your host, Christian Chavez, and today I'm excited to chat with Biza Khan. Biza is a UCLA alumna who is currently working as a program manager at Amazon's Last Mile business, where she supports the expansion of Amazon's delivery network in the US and Canada. She graduated with a Bachelor's of Arts in English and with the right experience has been able to pivot into the data-heavy field of supply chain and capacity topology planning. Prior to joining Last Mile, she supported Amazon's retail app store teams responsible for catalog quality and risk mitigation for several years, developing scalable solutions to protect customers and sellers from fraud and abuse. Having been working at a big tech giant for more than four years, Iza attributes her growth to self-discipline, hard but smart work, and a career-focused purpose-driven support network. In today's episode, she shares how her career trajectory took shape and her advice for students on pursuing a career in tech. All right, welcome to Bruin Success. Is that really nice to meet you and chat with you? I'm excited to learn more about uh, your career and what you're doing at Amazon. Nice to meet you, Christian. I'm super excited to give whatever information that I can to uh, students who are graduating, students who may have graduated, uh, and super excited to chat with you. Awesome. So to get us started, can you tell me a little bit about Amazon Last Mile and then what your role as topology planning manager is? Yep, Amazon Delivery uh, Service, AMZL, uh, essentially is the delivery network that supports uh, the growth of the e-commerce business. Um, I'm particularly responsible for assessing the need and capacity um, and demand within the US as well as Canada. Um, And what that essentially means is that um, we wanna be as close to the customer as possible to be able to promise the two day delivery that we have or one day delivery, or in the future, maybe we'll do like two hour delivery. Um, And so our system essentially scopes out uh, locations for where to build new uh, sites. Uh, We work with the real estate teams to help us bring those sites on board, um, work with construction, the launch teams to actually execute those buildings. And it's a huge business. It's uh, growing so exponentially. Uh, Within AMZL, my role supports the growth of North America as well as Canada, which is my primary uh, target market uh, because our growth in Canada is expanding very quickly um, and we have to double down our efforts. Um, It's a a space that is really crazy, especially because um, during the pandemic, as you would imagine, people are at home, people... uh, are not going out as much to make their buying purchases. Um, so our efforts are being doubled in that respect. Um, and, um, and so we're, um, we're a team of usually very busy around the clock. And um, so, yeah. Yeah, I can imagine you must be incredibly busy. Um, can you share a little bit about the projects that you're currently working on and maybe some common partners that you're working with in your role? Yeah. Uh, uh, In topology planning, I guess I will take a step back and explain what that is, because it's always like an interesting uh, name. Uh, But essentially what it means is that we're the first point of a delivery station pretty much coming up. Um, What we're doing is seeing where the demand is um, in Seattle, in Los Angeles, in all of the states in the U.S., um, and then working our way backwards. We are um, expanding our efforts, like I mentioned, in Canada a lot more because 
um, we have a lot more demand growing there within not just the hot pockets such as Vancouver or Ontario, uh, but also in the rural areas. Uh, so all my efforts are concentrated in addressing that demand and working with uh, real estate teams to help bring sites to us um, so that we can pick and choose what we like, what makes sense, what's financially feasible, um, and then so on and so forth, working with the construction teams, uh, putting the ground lease and things of that nature. Um, in a nutshell, it looks it looks like it's you know pretty straightforward, but there's so many moving pieces. I can't um, describe how many times we would select something, but then that deal would fall through. Uh, we're working with developers, landowners, uh, negotiating leases, um, and those pieces are obviously not mine, but they impact the work that I'm doing because if I'm giving a need that we need something in Seattle. Um, and we're not able to get um, a site up within that um, estimated time frame. then it's sort of a, a churn on our part. Um, and then we have to look for backups. And there's a lot, a lot of moving pieces, um, which is why I really consider this to be like a really fluid space to be in. Uh, things are arbitrary, uh, things change. The pandemic is like a great example. Um, we wouldn't normally anticipate this kind of churn or, you know, uh, doubling down our efforts, but the pandemic is a unique situation, which uh, I guess industries worldwide are dealing with, uh, revising their plans, revising how their approach should be. Um, and so uh, it's, it's a really, it's an interesting area to be in, topology planning specifically, because in a way, um, I see that as more of an entrepreneurial uh, sort of a space to be in, because you're calling the shots for a lot of things that are going to happen down the road. Um, our plans are always, you know, pretty long term, um, you know, since leases are three, four, five, 10, 15 years uh, long. So keeping that in perspective, things are changing, things are moving in. Um, and there's a lot of partner teams that have to be in sync before anything happens. Yeah. So just so I make sure I understand you, you are responsible for essentially mapping out the demand in the regions that you oversee and then working with the various partners like real estate or the development companies to respond appropriately to that demand. Yes. Perfect. Okay. That's really interesting. And um, I, yeah, I can imagine how many people you must be working with in different, you know, I mean, you're working with different industries, so it, it must be very complex and, exciting at the same time. I mean, you're building out um, markets in certain geographical locations. So really exciting. We're really just a network. Um, we always have this, uh, you know, this, uh, as you can imagine, uh, it's probably nothing new that Amazon is like a very customer centric. So we want to be able to service our customers best way in the most way possible. And so all of our efforts kind of stem from that. So that explains why the growth is so big, uh, why AMZL is moving at that speed. Definitely. And it's, it's paying off. It definitely is paying off. So I'm curious how you, you got to this point and how you, uh, how you began your work with Amazon. Can you take us through your professional trajectory starting at uh, UCLA and you know, what different types of roles you, uh, you took on before Amazon and then what eventually you know, led you to taking on this role? Um, what, what was appealing to joining a giant company like Amazon? 
Yeah, um, so I graduated uh, with a bachelor's in English from UCLA, um, and my concentration was specifically creative writing. Um, at the point, at that point, my trajectory was so different. Corporate life wasn't anywhere in my radar. I was, um, I'm a creative person. So my pursuit was more along the lines of journalism or marketing uh, or something where a lot of heavy writing is involved. Or, or when I say heavy writing, heavy creative writing is involved. Um, and uh, soon after I graduated, um, obviously going back to what we were discussing earlier before we started the interview that, um, you don't think about the resources available to you. And then you realize the real world after you graduate is hard. It's hard to get a job. It's hard to get, uh, let alone get a job. It's hard to even uh, get the right fields that you were interested in initially. So pretty much that happened with me. Um, I applied to a lot of different companies that sort of fit the type of work that I was willing to do or wanted to do at the time writing, creative writing, things like that, um, couldn't really secure anything. And part of the reason is because I didn't have enough, I guess, internships lined up, you know, uh, those pieces that probably help facilitate your uh, entry into the, into the job market. Um, anyway, so I still kept on applying. Uh, I was able to secure a position as a fraud analyst at a payments company. Um, essentially, it's a chargebacks uh, company, um, and a lot of uh, the work that I did was uh, very technical, very mechanical, very uh, entry level, as I, as you, as you uh, put it. Um, and um, I didn't quite feel that that passion to stay in corporate, I guess, because because I thought that that was corporate life. Um, what I didn't realize is that you have to start somewhere. Uh, your first entry-level job is just that. It's the stepping stone towards the next step in your career uh, because you can't graduate and expect to be in a senior position unless you've been through, you know, at the lowest end. Um, and um, anyway, slowly I was, uh, I was able to kind of stay in that role for a couple of years, get some experience on my resume. Um, and then a lot of things happen, actually. I mentioned that I have like a creative uh, more of a creative uh, inclination. I, um, I'm really uh, passionate about food and cooking and uh, doing something in that realm. Um, ended up doing a farmer's market for a while in LA, um, in Wiltshire. And this was after I had sort of, you know, uh, I was unemployed at the time. And I just wanted to get as much creative experience as I would. You know, you kind of are always in that like stage where you want to make a difference. You want to do something super passionate. So it was the earlier years where I was still not sure what I wanted to do. Um, and uh, anyways, it was a fun experience. I, I really enjoyed uh, being able to sort of tap into my creative entrepreneurial uh, spirit. Uh, but I knew that this was not sustainable. I wasn't obviously making money because you can never make money off a farmer's market. Um, so I, um, I applied to Amazon uh, because I had a friend who used to work here. She, she had mentioned to me that there's a lot of opportunity to the work that you've done in your previous role as a fraud analyst. Um, and I, I kind of took that a little bit seriously um, and applied, uh, was able to get an interview. They flew me out here to Seattle. Um, I had a great interview, ended up getting the, getting the role. And probably the best thing that I've have done in my Amazon journey is to just go with the flow and actually move to Seattle. Um, I was living in LA after I uh, graduated from UCLA, so it was always my home. Um, and so I didn't think too much about moving to Seattle. 
it helps that it's, you know, it is in the West Coast. Uh, but I think that was it. It was just that plunge and that leap of faith I took. Um, I remember when I was taking the role, um, I had people around me tell me um, whether, you know, I should reconsider because uh, it's outside of LA. Maybe I can just stay back, apply in California. Uh, but I didn't think too much about it because to me, um, every experience was a good experience at that point. Um, I moved to uh, Seattle four years ago. I completed four years at Amazon in January, which is a big achievement. Um, almost feel like a veteran here. Uh, so, um, and, and that was pretty much my entry. And uh, the entry point, I guess, um, I'll, I'll come to that, but ask me other questions if you have. Maybe I'm like going a little bit off on a tangent. Yeah, I was just uh, going to ask about the different roles that you've had at Amazon. I know there um, are a few that you've, you've had, and I'm interested in hearing more about that trajectory, how you went from one to the other and how they're related. Yeah, yeah. So, so when I, uh, I applied to a role within the intellectual property um, area um, of Amazon, intellectual property is a huge, uh, huge business, essentially. Uh, policy making, uh, developing policies so that you can police uh, what is happening on your catalog to protect your buyers and sellers alike. So that was the role that I came in because my experience was is in fraud anal analysis. Um, and being able to find that connection point, I think is very important when you go to any company. You wanna be able to cater your resume uh, so that the company that may not have the same product uh, will still find some commonalities in what you were doing previously. So that was how I entered. Um, and I was there working uh, for about um, a good a few years. Uh, um, and that role specifically was great and sort of shaping up how I, I see uh, the e-commerce business from a policy perspective. What does it mean when uh, somebody is setting up a new shop or a new website? Uh, how do you protect your customers from uh, wrong purchases? How do you protect your sellers from fra fraudulent customers? Um, and so being able to look at it from a very critical lens, um, uh, it's, it's important and kind of helps to, um, helps make you better at critically assessing uh, the problems that you see at work. Um, I've, I dealt with a lot of problems. Uh, you know, Amazon is a huge, like we have so many sellers and, um, and so being able to police a catalog of that uh, ginormity is extreme. We were always, we were always busy, um, like things coming to us left, right and center, but I was able to uh, hone on those like fraud analysis uh, skills that I had kind of um, you know, um, I had built up in my previous role, uh, but also I was able to build solutions uh, in a scalable way to protect our customers at scale rather than doing things at a manual speed. So I guess uh, building those program management skills was pretty, pretty important for me at that time. It was my uh, first, uh, my first role at Amazon, my first business um, at Amazon that I was a part of, um, which helped me tremendously to build my program management skills, um, understanding what a product looks like, uh, being able to work with your uh, partner teams, um, your stakeholders, managing those expectations. So I wore a lot of hats in that one role just because of the sheer vastness of what happens behind the scenes at Amazon just from one point of a click from a customer. Everything else is like our team handling to make sure that that customer is protected 
the seller is, uh, you know, protected and so on and so forth. Um, and so, so it was great. I was there for a few years and then I moved into Amazon App Store. And there I was also doing similar things. A lot of people don't know, but um, Amazon App Store supports Android, uh, similar to Google Play Store. And uh, I, in that role, I was making a lot more policy policies um, to uh, for our developers and our customers than I was doing in my first role. Uh, so again, like really honing into my policy development skills, my program management skills. Um, I owned a couple programs, uh, managed a lot of these top apps like Netflix and Zoom and um, Sling TV um, because uh, you always need to make sure that you have the right quality uh, before you attract the customers. So our top principles, I guess, if you wanna put it that way, was to make sure that we have good quality on our catalog. So customers will come to our store. Um, we can protect customer purchases from malware, security issues when they download app, et cetera. Um, and then um, after uh, a good few, uh, uh, a, a, a while in that team, um, I think I, at that point I was ready to like switch and make a pivot, uh, which I'm you know, always in favor of, is there is a time when you will peak your learning uh, in whatever you're doing. And it's always good to like make that pivot when you feel confident that you have built those skill sets. So uh, in December actually of last year, um, I decided that I wanted to move out of intellectual property or policy development in general and uh, move into a different business. And AMZL um, is, is one that has always fascinated me just because it's growing so fast, but because um, I've been curious about logistics and supply chain. I don't come from that background. So it was really exciting for me to kind of um, just get behind this huge uh, momentum that's building up, especially during the pandemic. Um, and I ended up, um, you know, speaking to my current manager, uh, was able to, you know, have some really good discussions to see how I'll fit and what I can bring to the team. Um, and then that was it. It was, it was one of those probably not so smart decisions. A lot of people don't do that. Um, I had some friends who were telling me, why don't you just keep at intellectual property and policy development? Uh, you know, you could have a lot more uh, growth in that area if you just stay there. And I'm not one to like stay in one place uh, because I think for me to like feel passionate about the product, about the business, I want to be able to learn something new, learn a new skill, uh, meet with uh, different stakeholders. So all of which has been pretty nice in the past couple of months. Um, it's a really fast pace. Uh, like we're, we literally operate on like bi-weekly cadence. So everything just like moves so quickly. What, I'm curious, now that you're in this role and you're focused more on uh, supply chain and topology planning, what, what do you like the most about it um, compared to your previous roles at Amazon? So one of the things that has uh, interested me about topology planning specifically is that you don't really hear too much about topology planning as a as a space to be in, uh, especially within a tech company. You always look at um, you know well known names. You you know that there's somebody uh, you know creating the devices or uh, you know someone's shipping out the product, but you don't really hear about who starts the whole process of putting a building. 
Um, and frankly speaking, I didn't really know this team until the, the opportunity presented itself. Um, and, and I guess once I, once you're in the company, you know, what's, you know, what roles are open and things like that. So you can, you know, shop around. Um, to, uh, and, and so um, I think it was just the fact that you had so much of a control to start that process. And I don't think I've been in a role that's more entrepreneurial in its spirit than this one because we're literally using very arbitrary things. Like everything's a variable, a, a moving piece that can change tomorrow. As I'm sitting right now, I don't even know what's gonna happen tomorrow until there is some direction that comes from the top leadership or uh, we see something happen, I guess, geographically um, within the space that we operate in. Um, and so being in that like, being in that space is, it keeps me on my toes. I, I'm, I guess it's also a personality thing um, to be able to be comfortable with ambiguity. And I've realized more and more as I've been at Amazon for this many years that I like to operate in that space. Uh, of course, I want to know what my deliverables are going to be. I need to have a clear direction, uh, a clear strategy of how to progress my career. But once I know those pieces, then I'm pretty comfortable being in ambiguity. Um, I want to be able to have that relationship again with your manager, uh, that they know, hey, this is what's expected of you at the end of the week or month or year. Uh, and I work towards that goal. Um, I, I think it keeps things really exciting. It also allows your team to trust you more and more when there's less of a structure in place. You know, not to say that there's no structure. I think it's, uh, it's just it's the nature of the work is so arbitrary that everybody just has to trust you in that moment because you own what you're doing. There are, you know, a lot of people who would, you know, be thrilled to work um, in the tech industry and, you know, work for a company like Amazon. What type of advice do you have uh, for these students and alumni that want to break into the industry but don't have a technical background? Yeah, I think that is such a wonderful question. One that a lot of people um, don't uh, talk about enough. Uh, because I come from a very non-technical uh, education background. Um, and one thing, I guess I'll, I'll try to list them down uh, in points. Uh, number one is don't stress about the major that you're, uh, that you're in or what field you're graduating in. It really does not matter. Um, what matters is, yes, you graduate with, you know, uh, with, with the, the best grades that you can. But you need to realize that your experience outside of college is what really shapes your path towards whatever you want to do. Of course, it certainly helps that if you have a technical background, you have a better shot at coming into tech companies um, because they're always looking for people who are from a science background. Um, my path was a little unconventional because I was in a fraud analyst space already. And I was able to sort of draw a commonality between what I was doing and what I could do for Amazon. Um, in the role that I had applied for. So uh, step number one, don't worry too much about uh, your major. If you're an arts major, totally okay. Work towards building those skills that can make you attractive for Amazon or Facebook or Apple, all these like tech giants. Uh, that's key. Uh, the second is work on your resume. Your resume 
uh, should speak uh, about your skills. Uh, you have to be able to demonstrate that you have what this company needs. And for that, uh, my biggest piece of advice to you know students graduating or even like my little brother who's graduating recently, uh, who's graduating in summer, is uh, to think of yourself as a brand. You know, we're in a hugely uh, visible digital space that you're no longer just uh, a name, you're a brand with skill sets that companies want. View, if you view yourself as that and pitch your resume as sort of a way to show the company that these are the services I can offer you, it will really change the way you view the relationship with companies. You will feel that much more passionate to give all that you can to the company that you were at uh, because it puts you in that ownership mentality. Um, so resume uh, building is super important. If you don't have anybody who can help you, use resources at UCLA. There are plenty out there. There are plenty of um, uh, uh, career centers that can help you know, do mock interviews with you. Um, then my third one uh, would be to, um, this is probably the most important. Um, and I think this is uh, true and stays valid throughout your life to surround yourself with the right people who are like-minded and who are willing to change their circumstances. And I'm, I'm using the word circumstances pretty loosely. I'm just talking about you know, graduating, graduated students who don't have that much, who don't have that much experience um, in, um, the, in, in having jobs. Uh, change the, not, not change, let me rephrase to be a little bit more politically correct. Um, sit with people who are passionate about change of any kind. Sit with people who, uh, who have demonstrated some success in whatever they're doing. Um, that has been my biggest, uh, biggest learning throughout my past uh, several years is um, I really stopped uh, being around people that just didn't serve the type of purpose that I was willing to do, which is to succeed, which is to grow in my career. The biggest gripe I have with some people who, brush all of corporate uh, jobs with one stroke. That's not, that's not healthy because there's so many corporate jobs that are so beneficial to your success, to your financial independence, uh, that changing that mindset is really important. You have to look at um, the world less cynically, I guess. I think I'm getting a little too deep and philosophical. So you can omit that part. Uh, but I think most important is uh, sit with people who uh, you want to be like. Um, my fourth one, maybe you can cancel the third one. I think I went over so many things. But, but the last one, and I can probably go on. I have like a few in my head, but this one is really important. It's to get a mentor. Um, and I don't mean pay for a mentor. You don't really need to pay for mentors because I can understand a, call, a, stu a college student who just graduated is probably broke <laughs> and, you know, living back home with their parents. And so what a mentor really means is anybody whose skills you admire or whose ethic you admire. It could be your family member. It could be your friend. It could be uh, your friend's friend, someone whose uh, who's ambition you like. Um, that you're trying to emulate. Um, and it's not hard. A lot of people, like I'm so, I'm always more than happy to connect with people who want to sit with me, you know, get coffee and chat about like how they could change uh, their trajectory to get to where they want to be. Um, and so finding that person and grabbing coffee with them, 
is a great way to sort of engage and change the way you think because they can really be so monumental in helping you frame your thought process in the right way because we're always so cluttered up here. Um, and someone who is two steps ahead of you in your career will be able to declutter your mind because they've been through that, right? Like they've been through all of those challenges. They've quit their jobs. They've been fired. They've been, you know, all of stuff, which pretty much happened to me. Um, but now I'm like past that point. And I know that there's so many uh, people, uh, so many young students who will be treading that same path. And so, you use them as a resource and you won't believe how accessible a lot of people are. Um, LinkedIn is a great resource if you don't have anybody around you. Um, leave them a warm message. Uh, not Don't just connect with them because I don't like when people connect with me without leaving a note. Um, I connect with family, friends, people I know, but if you, if I don't know you, connect with me and leave me a note on LinkedIn. I really appreciate it and so many people appreciate that. Uh, so I think these are these are the these are the major ones I would I would recommend that um, students kind of pay attention to and work toward. Yeah, that's all such great advice, and um, yeah, it's definitely applicable to those considering this type of industry. But I think it also applies to this, uh, its general career advice. These are all things that we we all should be doing, and um, students especially should be doing. And I do, yeah, I second everything. I do want to uh, speak to mentorship a little bit, that this is so important and we've talked about it in other conversations, um, in other episodes. And I do want to mention again, UCLA One is an awesome opportunity if you're interested in finding a mentor. There are so many UCLA alumni out there that have, have said that they are interested in helping students and interested in connecting with them. So if you are a student listening to this or a young alumnus or a young alumna, um, who's interested in finding a mentor, go to UCLA One, take a look. LinkedIn, like as I said, is also another great resource, but it's, um, it's an incredible um, experience and it can really do amazing things for your career and your own personal and professional development. So thank you for all that advice. That was, that was all awesome. So for our final question, um, I'm curious how you've learned to define success in your career thus far. Oh, that's a billion dollar question. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh boy. I mean, success is, uh, it looks so different to so many people. Uh, it's just, it could just be someone who doesn't even have a job, but they're so successful in the relationships they've built. Um, and I'm probably going to be giving you a very philosophical answer because success for me when I graduated was probably, you know, getting like a really good GPA, you know, um, and uh, graduating, you know, top of your class, that probably was success for me. Uh, now success for me, I think is just making sure that I am financially independent. I'm not gonna lie, but that's a huge one for me because, um, because the world doesn't bend for anything else. You, you must be financially independent. And what I wanna tell students is that that's your right. It's don't ignore the fact that uh, financial independence is tied to maybe greed or tied to you know, different things. It is your right. You need to work towards that because life is a lot better when you know that your medical bills are being paid, that you don't have to depend on someone for paying your rent. Um, Looking at it from that perspective really makes you value 
uh, financial independence and also makes you realize that you can be uh, successful, uh, but at the same time working towards the most uh, ethical things in life, you know? Um, I guess success is, is, is a very arbitrary uh, word and I think it will change uh, next week when I, when I sit with my friend. I talk to them, maybe success to me may look like being in good relationships, um, having a really healthy relationship with my family uh, and making sure that I can provide for uh, my family members who are not able to provide for themselves. Um, but again, if now you wanna ask me for a shallow answer, then it would probably be, um, well, this is not actually a shallow answer, but I think success for me in my career would be to get to the next level, which I'm working towards. You should always have your eye um, forward looking, um, but also realize that your present moment is so important to shape that forward looking path. Don't lose sight of where you are right now because this is what's shaping your history pretty much. Boy, I went like super deep. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Um, and yeah, I hear the theme of uh, success always sort of bending or the definition definition of it bending depending on what's currently going on in your life. And so I think that's really important to remember um, when, you know, we're thinking about what we want to accomplish within the next week or um, month or year even, or five years even, that um, what we think may be success today might not be the same as what we think it will be next week or um, five years from now. And just to sit with that and be okay with that um, is a really awesome uh, mindset to have. So really appreciate that. I guess one thing also um, is, especially in today's digital space, success can be confused with fame or you know, social media fame. And um, that's such a damaging way to think of success because success is so much bigger than just someone like liking your posts. Um, and I just wanted to address that because actually I've been like watching a lot more documentaries because um, I, um, I have, I'm a content creator. Um, I make cooking videos um, and, um, and I can tell how differently you can view success on a social media platform versus corporate life. Because in corporate life, I wanna get to um, the next role um, because I know that I have the skill sets for it. On the creative side, it could just be, hey, when will my account blow up? You know, when will I get famous? And then you think that that's success, but it, it really is not the right way to, to look at success. Yeah, so again, yeah, it's, it's always, always changing and it can mean different things for different aspects of your life. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for that answer, Iza, and thank you for joining me today and just chatting with me about uh, your career thus far and what you're doing at Amazon. Um, really awesome stuff. And I feel very fortunate to have had the chance to speak with you. And I'm excited to share this conversation with our students and alumni. Yeah, likewise, I find something really solid in the, <laughs> in the tangent that I went on. Uh, but uh, it was amazing to chat with you and just be able to sort of give back to uh, UCLA in the small way that I can. Um, and I hope to like, you know, stay in touch uh, and see how else I could help uh, further some conversations that may really help and benefit students who are graduating. Definitely. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Burn Success. 
Our guest this week was Iza Khan, Topology Planning Manager at Amazon. You can learn more about Iza in the description of the podcast. Follow UCLA Alumni Career Engagement on Instagram and Facebook to keep up with Barun's success. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe to it, tell a friend, and share your appreciation on social media. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for what's coming next on Bruin Success. This podcast was made possible by UCLA alumni.